You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. What's up, Trace? Hope you guys are doing well today. Uh, I just want to give a special shout out real quick to Trent and the Longhoffer family, to Barbara and Faith and several others that are tuning in online with us today. We are so excited to have you as guests. Uh, We know that right now may be a season where you feel just a little bit more disconnected than usual, especially to a place like this. And so we would love to hear from you. So if you wouldn't mind dropping in the chat below where you're watching from, who you're watching with, we would love to reach out to you. We actually have a team right now standing by waiting to engage with you throughout the duration of this message. And so we'd love to connect with you, but we'd also love to get you more connected as well. Uh, My name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be uh, the student pastor here at Trace. And this has been a particularly hard season uh, for our students that their uh, social interaction tanks are actually running on fumes right now. They're on E, uh, that parents, I probably feel like you get this the most, but as a student ministry, we've tried to step into that gap, that we've tried to create opportunities for students to come here and participate in fun and safe events with other students their age and get some of that social interaction. And we actually had the chance to do this this past week, uh, that we actually had several students here at Trace playing a game called Among Us Live. And if you haven't heard of that, it's basically like a modern day mafia where there's a bunch of students running around the church trying to complete different tasks while other students and leaders are secretly trying to take them out. They're trying to kill them. So very Christ-like game. Um, But needless to say, it may have gotten a little heated. I may have accused your kids of being something they weren't. I may have lied to them. And so for that, I'm I'm sorry for that. Uh, But the reason I tell you this is I actually want to celebrate something that happened last week, that actually last week we got to see four brand new students get involved with our student ministry. And that may sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I promise you that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, That actually I got to watch as students saw some of their friends in the very same lonely, isolated boat that they were, and so they decided to invite them into something bigger. That actually last week, although all we did was play a silly game, I watched as students removed obstacles so their friends could get to Jesus. And that is what our student ministry is all about here at Trace. And so if you are a student, if you have a student, if you know a student, we would love to invite them to be a part of what God is doing through our student ministry at Trace. Uh, You can email me. This is my email. We'd love to get them connected to what God is doing here. But today, uh, I'm excited because we're continuing on in our series called Me and My Big Fat Mouth. Um, And as a church, we've just said that we want to look at what it takes for us to be wise with what we say. That for most of us, even all you introverts watching today, we use our words a lot. And we use our words for a lot of different things. Uh, We use our words to talk to different people. We use uh, our words to text and keep up with family members. We use our words to type things out and post things on our social media accounts. And with so many different avenues in which we can use our words, you guys know this just as well as I do, that there's a lot of room for error. That when we open our big fat mouth, sometimes we hurt people. Sometimes we leave scars and wounds in the people that we love, and sometimes we can even put up obstacles for other people to get to Jesus. But as a church, we've said that we are both committed and convicted uh, to remove every obstacle to get you to Jesus, even if that includes ourselves being that obstacle. And so over the course of this series, we've just wanted to take a deep dive into our hearts and look at what it means for us to be wise with what we say, what it means for us to use our words well. 
And so last week, if you missed last week, I would encourage you, go back, watch that message. We talked about if we want to be wise with our words, we need to learn to be slow to speak, or sorry, quick to listen and slow to speak, uh, when most of the time we actually switch those around and we're uh, quick to speak and slow to listen. And so I'd encourage you to do that. But today, I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about something that I think we could all use just a little bit more of, and that's this word right here, encouragement. How do we use our mouths? How do we use our words to encourage the people around us? So wherever you're at today, whether you're sitting somewhere comfy and you've got something warm to drink, or maybe you're on your lunch break sometime during the week, or uh, maybe you're in the car, hopefully you're listening, not watching this, uh, but wherever you're at today, all I want to do is I just want to work through three very simple questions when it comes to how we can encourage other people with our words. And so those three questions very simply are this, uh, why, what, and how? Why, what, and how. That first I want to talk about why should we encourage other people, but then I want to move to what is encouragement actually, and more importantly, what is encouragement not. But then today I want to get really practical too at the end and talk about how we can actually do this as real people living in 2020 in a discouraging season. How can we encourage the people around us? But before I go any further, let me just be clear and say this today. Uh, I don't have this all figured out. That if you were to ask my family members, if you were to ask my spouse, if you were to ask my coworkers, they would probably tell you that more times than not, I'm hypercritical rather than hyper-encouraging. However, over the years, I have learned a couple things, and today I'd love to share those things with you. And so let's go ahead and dive in, starting with that very first question of why. Why should we encourage other people? Like seriously, why should we encourage other people? If I could oversimplify this, if I could undercomplicate it for a second, I would say, why should we encourage other people? Uh, well, the main reason is, well, uh, they need it, right? They need it. That we as people, we need encouragement to survive. That not only is it good for our mental and emotional health, but it's also uh, very, very helpful and healthy for our physical health as well. Actually, in 2018, uh, IKEA, they did a study where they took a bunch of different students in different science classes, and they paired them together, and they gave each of them a plant. And they said, hey, we want you to do everything that you possibly can to keep these plants alive. And so they watered them at the same time. They gave them the same amount of water, and they made sure they had an adequate amount of sunlight to ensure that these plants would grow and be healthy and everything would go well. But there was a catch. They went to one partner in each group, and they said, hey, every time that you water it, what we want you to do, and this is going to be weird for you, <laughs> we want you to say encouraging things to this plant. Like, we want you to tell this plant that you can do it, you know, that they're doing a great job, and all those different things. Whatever encouraging things you can think of, we want you to say those to the plant while you're watering it. Then to the other group, they went and they said, to your plant, every time you water it, we want you to verbally abuse it. Now, we want you to think of the meanest things that you can. We want you to think of the most discouraging things that you can say, and we want you to say those to the plant. And at the end of this process, we'll see whose plant is doing better. And guys, seriously, I wish I would have found a video. I looked really hard for a video of this because I think it would have been really funny to watch a bunch of kids, a bunch of students yell weird things at plants while they're watering them. But unfortunately, I couldn't find one uh, for you all. But when they got to the end of this experiment, the results were very interesting. Because while both plants had enough water to survive, that while both plants got enough sunlight uh, to grow, Although both plants got everything that they possibly needed to survive physically, the results couldn't have been more different. 
That when, when, then when they looked at the plants that were encouraged, when, the plants that, uh, when they looked at the plants that people said nice things to, these plants were not just surviving, but they were thriving. They were flourishing. They were growing, and they were big and beautiful, and they looked amazing. But when they went to the plants that were discouraged, a majority of them were dead. And in this moment, people's words brought life, or people's words brought death to these plants. It reminded me of a verse that said in Proverbs chapter 18, it says this right here. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And although this was a study that was done on plants, guys, people are no different. That as people, we need encouragement to survive. And so why should we encourage people first and foremost? Because they, they need it. And I don't think I have to convince anybody this morning that this has been one of the most, if not the most, discouraging season for a majority of people. Between a decrease in human interaction and an increase in anxiety in the workplace and just the fear itself of maybe contracting the virus for yourself, it's no wonder to me that the statistics for mental health have almost doubled during this season. That actually prior to COVID, it was uh, said that 25% of people at any given moment would be struggling with a mental health crisis. But now that number looks somewhere more like 50%, meaning that if you're not struggling currently with your mental health, then the person you're watching with probably is. And not to minimize what people are going through this morning, but at the same time, it doesn't really surprise me. Because I don't know if you've done this over the last several months, but I want to do this wherever you're tuning in from today. I want to take this moment, and I want you to think of all the different things in your life over this season that have been discouraging to you. I want you to think of all the different moments over the course of the last several months that have brought death to the life that you're trying to live. Because very quickly, these things begin to add up. You know, maybe for you, it was a trip that you had planned that you were really, really excited about, but then you had to cancel it. Maybe for you, it's the fact that you like to host a lot of people at your home. You like to have people over, but you haven't been able to do that. Maybe for you, it was a delayed graduation or a wedding that you had to postpone or cancel or just didn't live up to the expectations that you had for it. Maybe you put a lot of work into something and the plans fell through. Maybe you had to have some hard conversations. Maybe you had to let some people go. Maybe you yourself uh, lost your job during this season. Or maybe for you, the business that you started isn't really going as well as you planned. Or maybe you're like me and you had to watch the Dallas Cowboys start their fourth string quarterback, like not even on the team, they were on the scout team, and throw away any hopes of a season that they may have had. I know they didn't really have one, but the, the point is this has been a discouraging season. But on a more serious note, Maybe you got the virus. Maybe you spent a couple days very lonely and isolated. Maybe you gave the virus to someone else and there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shame wrapped up in that for you. Maybe you've just felt so alone and by yourself. Maybe you've contemplated taking your own life. Maybe you've actually lost somebody that you love. Guys, this has been an incredibly discouraging season, hasn't it? And in a world with so many different discouraging things happen, the last thing people need is for us to open up our big fat mouths and add to it. That in a season like this, I think what people need the most is for us to be encouraging with the people around us. So why should we encourage other people first and foremost? Because they need it. But the second thing I would say is so do we. 
that actually has been proven time and time again that encouragement is beneficial, not just for the person that you are encouraging, but it's also been proven uh, to have huge health benefits for the people uh, that are actually encouraging others. I love how King Solomon puts it in Proverbs chapter 11. He says this, those who refresh others, those who encourage others will themselves be refreshed, will themselves be encouraged. And I know for me, at least, that whenever I'm discouraged, one of the hardest things for me to do is to encourage someone else. Like, maybe you can relate to this today, but uh, whenever I'm discouraged, I barely have the motivation or, or the energy to find the things in my life that are going right, let alone try to find those things in other people. But time after time, study after study, experiment after experiment has shown uh, that the people that live the most encouraged life, the people that are the happiest, if you will, the people that actually live the good life are actually the people that encourage other people the most. And so why should we encourage others? First and foremost, because they need it. But second, so do we, and it can have extreme benefits for ourselves as well. But now that we've talked about why, let's go ahead and move on to that second question of what. What is encouragement? More importantly, what is encouragement not? Uh, you see, in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul, he encourages us to encourage other people. This is what he says. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. And although Paul commands that of us, although Paul tells us to encourage other people, what does that actually mean? Because I think encouragement is one of those phrases that has become very ambiguous and vague because it could be anything from like complimenting your spouse to uh, all the way up to, uh, you know, buying somebody a house. Encouragement is a broad topic. And so today I want to narrow that down and I want to talk about what encouragement is and what encouragement isn't. And to do that, I'd love for you to participate in this exercise wherever you're watching from, wherever you're tuning in from. What I want you to do is I want you to stop and I want you to think of a moment in your life where you felt really encouraged by someone else, where you felt really encouraged by someone else. Maybe for you, it was a coach uh, that pushed you way further than you thought that you could go. Uh, maybe for you, it was a professor or a teacher that wrote an encouraging note on a paper or a test uh, that you took. Maybe it was a parent telling you uh, that they were proud of you. Maybe it was your boss uh, giving you an attaboy in front of uh, the rest of your coworkers. Whatever it is, I want you to think of that moment. And I want you to think of when you were encouraged by someone else. And I want you to answer this question about that moment. What made that moment so encouraging for you? What made that moment so encouraging for you? You see, for me, one of my moments was actually a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife, Jessica, and I, we were working at another church at the time, and uh, it was in Indianapolis, in Indiana. It was a discouraging time, and part of it was it was Indiana, and we don't have the views there like we do here in Colorado Springs, so that was discouraging. Uh, but more than that, uh, my wife had the job at the time. I was an intern. I was working 40 to 50 hour weeks, making about $100 a week. We were living with the family. It was our first year of marriage. We were fighting a ton, uh, but then to make matters worse, we felt in our jobs and our careers, we were working really, really hard and not making a lot of progress, that it was a pretty discouraging time at that point. And so we had just finished a 10-week small group experience called Rooted. Maybe some of you guys have been through Rooted here at Trace, and we're celebrating when these people started walking around with these envelopes that looked like they were stuffed full of cash. And if they were stuffed full of cash, I feel like that would have been pretty encouraging too. Uh, but at the same time, what was inside of these were actually about a dozen or so letters. 
And these letters were written to us by, you know, friends that we had, family members that we had, uh, even mentors that we hadn't seen in years. And on each of these letters was something written that was incredibly encouraging then, but also still really encouraging to me now. That to this day, I keep those letters, and I've added to it since then, in a plastic bag. And whenever I get discouraged, I try my best to go back to those letters, open them up, and read what people wrote to me. And that was one of the moments in my life where I felt really encouraged, and there's been several others. But when I think about those moments and what made those moments so encouraging for me personally, it actually comes down to three different things. And I want to share these three things with you. And they're not exhaustive, uh, but I think they give us a pretty good start of what encouragement is and what encouragement is not. And so the very first one is this, uh, that encouragement is intentional, not ambiguous. Encouragement is intentional, not ambiguous. Uh, whenever I was in high school, one of the things my friends and I did one time was we went uh, to the store and we bought uh, a dozen or so like very vague, very ambiguous encouragement cards. And on them, they said things like, you can do it, or you're the best, or we're so proud of you, and things like that. And so we thought it would be uh, fun to hand these out to random people, whether it was a teacher or our neighbor's mailbox or um, you know some random person we passed in the hallway. And I'd love to tell you that our intentions, our motivation in this was very pure, that we knew people were discouraged and we just wanted to see them be a little bit more encouraged. But that just wasn't the case. Uh, that, that actually we thought it'd be really funny for someone to receive an ambiguous encouragement card and then see the look on their face when it says like, you know, you can do it or don't give up. And they're th sitting there thinking like, you know, what, what can I do? Or what should I give up? And so we handed them out because of that. But I'll tell you this story because we all know what it feels like to receive ambiguous encouragement. We all know what it feels like to get a metaphorical, uh, vague encouragement card. To hear things like, Kelly, hey, I, I think you're just a really good person. Or, you know, hey, Bill, you did a really good job at work the other day. Or this is one that I use often. Hey, I really appreciate everything that you're doing for us. And while those things are good and they do have their place, they're rarely, if ever, actually encouraging for other people. Sometimes they feel more like I'm trying to break up with someone than I am actually trying uh, to build them up. No, we have to learn to be intentional with our encouragement. And being intentional with your encouragement means finding something specific about who the person is and applying value to that thing. So rather than saying, hey, I think you're a really nice person, try saying, uh, hey, I've noticed that you never leave work before five o'clock. And I really appreciate your integrity in those moments. It really helps show the kind of person that you are. Or rather than saying, hey, I think you did a really good job at work the other day, saying, hey, when everything started getting a little bit crazy and everybody started losing their cool, I really appreciate you staying level-headed and keeping us focused on what really matters. I really appreciate your leadership in that moment. Or rather than saying, hey, I appreciate everything that you're doing for us, try saying, hey, uh, your tenacity and your work ethic to get the things done that we ask you to get done, it's inspiring. And it continues to impress me. We are so grateful to have you on the team. We have to learn to replace our $1 ambiguous words of encouragement with $100 intentional ones. Because if we want to be effective in our encouragement, uh, our encouragement needs to be intentional, not ambiguous. That's the first thing. The second thing would be this right here. Our encouragement needs to be more about who they are, not just what they do. More about who they are, not just what they do. And this is a very subtle difference, but I think it's a very important one. 
And there's several reasons that we tend not to do this. There's several reasons why we tend to encourage people for what they do rather than who we are. Uh, For one, it's a whole lot more visible to see what people are doing than to genuinely take the time and find some of those character traits uh, that are worth celebrating. That it's a whole lot easier to encourage someone after they've accomplished something rather than encouraging someone uh, just for who they are. But that doesn't negate the fact that we still need to do this. Uh, Another reason that I think we're not very good at this is because let's just take a moment, be honest, like it's really uncomfortable. (laughs) Maybe for the men watching, if I could single you out for a second, like we hate doing this. Like we would rather go to war, most of us, than sit across from someone, uh, a friend of ours, and genuinely encourage them for who they are. Like that sounds weak. That sounds soft. And part of the reason I think we as men are so bad at doing this is because I don't think many of us had good role models in this regard that most of the men in our lives actually encouraged us for what we did, not just who we were. And the reason that's true for them is probably because their fathers and the other men in their life did the very same thing. That I would say that for a lot of dads, a lot of people, the closest thing we can get to genuine encouragement are the words, I'm proud of you. But generally, these come on the other end of an achievement. They come on the other end of an important sports play, or they come on the other end of a promotion, or they come on the other end of like a widely recognized event. And so instead of encouraging people for who they are, we choose to encourage people for what they do. And we have to learn to get better at this, because let's be honest, we're bad at this. But if I could single out the men for a second, I would say just because we're bad at this, just because this is something that's uncomfortable for us, it doesn't negate the fact that the people around us, namely our spouses and our kids, they need to hear this from us, that they need to hear us encouraging them for who they are, not just what they do. And one of the best ways to get better at this is actually the four most important letters in the alphabet. They're these letters right here, I, C, and U. To sit down across the table from someone, to notice some things about them that are truly great and say, hey, here are some things that I see in you. And if you're looking for a good place to start, maybe start by thinking of the one or two things that if you took those things away from that person, they would no longer be the same. We need to learn to stop just affirming different actions and instead choose to celebrate the character traits of the people around us. That if we want our encouragement to be effective, first, it needs to be um, intentional, not ambiguous. But then second, it needs to be about who they are, not just what they do. But the third and final thing that we need to do uh, when it comes to our encouragement is that it should be given in real time rather than just when we have time. That our encouragement should be given in real time rather than when we just are just when we have time. Uh, That uh, one of the things I love to do is I love bragging on my wife. Uh, that I think she's beautiful. I think she's an incredible leader. I think she has a very passionate heart for finding people far from God, specifically the kids here in Colorado Springs. But one of the problems I have with bragging about my wife is that oftentimes I will brag about my wife to everyone um, except her, (laughs) that I will encourage her and say nice things about her and tell people how great she is to everyone, uh, but I will forget to tell her those very same things. And so I was talking to Aaron, our senior pastor, about this uh, about a year or so ago, and he challenged me to do something that has been incredibly beneficial, not just in the context of my marriage, but also in the context of just encouraging other people. And I'd love to challenge you guys to do the same. Uh, That he told me, hey, whenever you find yourself bragging about someone else or encouraging someone else, uh, not to that person's face, what I want you to do is I want you to stop in that moment, and I want you to text them exactly what you said. That before you leave the car, before you leave the lunch meeting, before you finish the conversation, take the time to encourage them. 
And while I haven't been perfect at this uh, by any stretch of the imagination, the few times that I have done this, it has made all the difference in other people's lives. That it's made my encouragement even that much more effective when I've chosen to encourage people in real time rather than when I just have time. It's made a huge difference in other people's lives. And I find myself far too often, what I find myself doing is I think, you know, I'll encourage them when I see them the next time. Or I'll make sure to tell them that whenever I get a chance. You know how many times I've followed through on that? Zero. (laughs) We have to learn to encourage people in real time, not just when we have time. So what is encouragement? I believe encouragement is intentional, not ambiguous. I believe encouragement is about who they are, not just what they do. But then finally, I believe encouragement is given in real time, not just when we have time. So now that we've talked about why, now that we've talked about what, the last thing I want to do this morning is get very, very practical with everybody watching today, everybody tuning in. And I want to talk about how. I want to talk about how we can really do this as people. And so to do that, I really just want to challenge you all uh, to encourage three specific different groups of people. And we're going to go through these uh, together. But I want to encourage you to specifically encourage these people uh, because I think right now they could probably use a little bit more encouragement. And so the first group of people I'd love to talk about is actually the kids in our community. That as I've mentioned earlier, this is a hard season for the kids and students that live in our community and across the world. That right now, I would love for us as a church to to learn to encourage our kids, learn to encourage our students. This is one of those moments for me where I'm really glad I'm not still in school. That I feel like plans are being changed constantly. Uh, They're getting to see their friends a whole lot less. And then to make matters worse, the things that helped us develop as people, the events and the moments in our lives that made us who we are, those things are being canceled left and right for them. And you combine that with the fact that anxiety and depression and suicide rates are skyrocketing right now among teens and among uh, other students. I think now more than ever, we need to encourage our kids and encourage the students in our community. See, here at Trace, we have something called the Core Four. And as um, a next-gen ministry, we believe these are the four most important practices that you can do as a parent, especially in a time like this. And so those four things are eating together, praying together, encouraging one another. But then the last one is playing together. That actually we believe one of the four most important things that you can do as a parent is to encourage your kids. And so take them out to eat, drive them through the McDonald's drive through grab them a Dutch Bros, but then sit them down and notice some things about them that are truly great and encourage them to pursue those things with passion. Guys, if we want to encourage people well through this season, if we want to know how to encourage the people around us, I think first it starts by encouraging the kids in our community. But the second group of people I'd like to talk about is actually uh, the singles in our community. That as a church, we recognize not all of you are parents. Not all of you are married. Not all of you are in a relationship uh, that many of you tuning in watching today are actually single. And we want to celebrate that as a church, that we think that is awesome and we are so grateful for you. But at the same time, this may be a season for you where you may feel a little bit more isolated than normal. This may be a season for you where you feel a little bit more disconnected, a little bit more lonely that maybe you've struggled a whole lot during this season with being encouraged. And so if that's you this morning, can I just say this? That as a church, we see you. We love you. We're praying for you. We're thinking about you. We're looking for ways that we can genuinely encourage you during a particularly hard season. And so this morning, I hope the people that are tuning in, for the single people that you know, I hope you reach out to them today. 
I hope you don't leave the couch. I hope you don't leave the car. I hope you don't leave your lunch break before you reach out to somebody uh, that may need some more encouragement right now. And so how can we be effective in encouraging the people around us? First, I think it starts by uh, encouraging the kids and students in our community. Second, I would say the singles in our community. But the third group of people I'd love for us as a church to focus on encouraging over the next couple weeks may surprise you. It's our supervisors. It's your boss. It's the person in leadership. That right now, whoever's in a leadership position, whether they're doing a good job navigating this time uh, right now or not, whether they're making good decisions or not, I could promise you that they could use just a little bit more encouragement in their life. That there are far too many leaders right now that are facing one of the hardest uh, seasons of their life, one of the hardest seasons of their leadership, and the problem is they feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders, and they feel like they're doing it all alone. But as a church, we want to remind them that they're not that we are here for them, that we want to encourage them. And so whoever you know this morning, whether it is your supervisor, whether it's a boss, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a parent, whether it's a pastor, I ask that you reach out to them because I promise you right now, I promise you right now, that they could use just a little bit more encouragement. And so if we want to know how we can be effective in our encouragement with other people, first it starts by encouraging the kids and students in our community. Second, it's the single people. But then third, it's our supervisors. That as a church, we've said we want to be a church that is not just in the city, but a church that is truly for the city. And that starts for us when we choose to be a church that is for the people of this city. That we choose to encourage the kids and students in our community. We choose to encourage the single people who may feel a little bit more lonely right now in this community. We encourage the leaders that are a part of this community and in this city. That if we want to be a church that is uh, not just in the city, but is a church, be a church that is for the city, then it starts by opening up our big fat mouths and choosing to encourage the people around us. And so this morning to close, I just want to get really, really practical with you guys today. And I would just want to leave you with this question and leave you with this challenge. But this morning, if you could, I want you to think of one person. I want you to think of one person, hopefully they're in one of those three groups, and I want you to reach out to them, whether it's a text, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a meeting over coffee, if you're able. And I want you to reach out to that person, and I want you to take some time to genuinely encourage that person. Because if I could say it a little bit differently, I would say this. That guys, as a church, as followers of Jesus, we have one of the most encouraging messages to give other people. That, guys, we know there is a God uh, that created each and every one of us exactly how we are, that sent his son down to this earth, that he took our place on a cross, he died for each and every one of us so that someday all the disease, all the isolation, all the anxiety, all the depression, all the suicide, so that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that someday all of those things would go away. If that's not encouraging to you this morning, then I don't know what is. But as a church, we want to encourage the people around us because when we choose to open up our big fat mouths and choose to bring life rather than death, in that moment, we are removing obstacles for people to get to Jesus by leaving a trace of God's love every single place that we go. And that includes with everything that we say. And so to close this morning, just want to ask you that question one more time. Who is one person that you can encourage today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And God, we're so grateful for your son. We're so grateful for the people that you've put in each and every single one of our lives to encourage us. 
God, for the person that's watching today that maybe they're discouraged, maybe they feel alone, maybe they feel uh, like none of this is actually worth it. God, first, I pray that you would send them your Holy Spirit to encourage them. But God, I pray you also send people uh, and put people around them that can genuinely encourage them, that can be intentional about it, that can encourage them for who they are, not just what they do, but they can encourage them in real time, not just when they have time. God, we know your church is one of the most encouraging places on the earth. So God, I hope that we would make that true today. God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.